I'm Kyle Bennett. And I'm Alex Jaworski. And this is the Views from the Press Box podcast, episode number three, presented by the Cumberland Times News. Today is Friday, October the 8th, 2021. We are in week six in Maryland football, week seven in West Virginia. So we got six games uh, on the docket this evening, and then a Saturday afternoon game between Allegheny and Southern. Uh, we are going to be talking about three of them, of course, the big one being uh, Mountain Ridge Fort Hill, which we will get into later in the show. Uh, first, we have Kaiser, who dropped out of the area top five rankings this week um, after losing at Northern last week, 34-19. Uh, to Northern scored 21 unanswered points in the second half. Um, really great win from Northern. I think Phil said after the game it was a, a top two or three win for him. Uh, coaching, which, I mean, really says something considering how long Phil Carr's been around. Yeah, and, um, you know, it was a game where it seemed like back-to-back -back games for Northern, they really dominated the line of scrimmage, and, you know, um, obviously Kaiser has been struggling with penalties this year, and that's another thing that kind of, you know, bit them a little bit is having, you know, uh, second, third, and longs when you're running football team is pretty hard. Seth Healy also got banged up in that game, so... You know, tough game for them. Sammy Bradfield did have 85 yards on the ground, um, which is I mean, well below his average, but that's kind of helped a lot by that first week of the year when he had, like, 250. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it's a, two weeks in a row where Northern knocked off the number one team in Class A or Class AA in West Virginia, so uh, right after they beat Frankfurt. So. Expect, to, expect Kaiser to bounce back. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, Derek Steven really runs a – he runs a tight ship there, and, um, you know, them losing back-to-back -back isn't really something that Kaiser specializes in. Um, I, I looked earlier, and uh, their last home loss was in 2018. Wow. Uh, they lost to, uh, I want to say it was Bridgeport at home. They had two home losses that year. They lost to Bridgeport in uh, October 19, 2018. I think they lost to RCB to open the season that year. Um, but since the loss to Bridgeport, uh, they have won 14 straight at home. So, there you, go. Um, you know, I, I expect them. Last year they lost this matchup, They're, which come to think of it, we haven't pointed out yet, Kaiser is playing Point Pleasant at home. So um, all time that series is tied 1-1. Kaiser won the match. The first matchup I think was in 2009 or 2010. Uh, and then Point Pleasant won last year 38-28. Um, some of you may be wondering why Point Pleasant might sound familiar that is the uh, the home of the mothman so um isn't that in is, is it new cumberland is that right uh that sounds right i think yeah i was reading a thing earlier and just the the myth of the mothman or whatever or maybe it's maybe it's the fact of the mothman. oh no that's oakland i'm, I'm stupid oh yeah yeah, yeah that's, yeah. Oakland. Yeah, that's oakland. oakland yeah you're not stupid no but oakland yeah new cumberland um so you know Kaiser are going to be looking to bounce back and you know they they have one of the bigger wins of any area team this year um, when they beat RCB uh, three weeks ago now, I want to say, something like that. So, and beat um, them handily, really. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they, they, have, they have the talent. They can do it. Um, you know, Bradfield's a really great piece in that backfield for them and really does a lot for them. And uh, Seth Healy does a great job just facilitating the offense. But those penalties, it's going to be something they, they really have to clean up. Um, and the – the passing game has kind of been Kaiser's kryptonite historically. And, um, you know, last week Point Pleasant didn't really throw – or two weeks ago Point Pleasant didn't really throw much. Point Pleasant was off last week. Um, but they beat Lincoln County. They've won 
four straight. They won 48-20 over Lincoln County two weeks ago. Uh, two guys rush over 100 yards. So, you know, it, it should really good. It should be a really good test for Kaiser to see kind of where they're at and, you know, gauge what they really have here near the midway point of the season. So uh, moving over to Northern, um, which actually I guess we're going to be moving to Moorefield because that is where uh, Northern, number four in the area top five, is heading this week, heading to Moorefield to take on the Yellow Jackets. Um, Debuting in the poll. The what? Oh, yeah, 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 debuting yeah, in the poll. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's their first year in the poll. Sorry, first, I thought you first said week, first I thought week. you said bowl, and I was like, nah. wait a second, no, Northern and Moorefield have played before. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you know, and th- this is going to be another another good test for Northern because Moorefield's a team that has kind of really come on um, of late. They've, uh, you know. They've they, won four straight. Yeah, they've won four straight. They're 4-1 on the year. Really dominated all four games, too. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, just uh, they're, they're going to be well-rested, and that's something that Northern, you know, they, they, they'll have the normal time off between games. But, you know, with a smaller squad, it, you know, midway through the season, it can kind of be something that you kind of get banged up, and it seems like you don't have as many days off as you really have, whereas Moorefield hasn't played since the Tuesday prior where they – Classic Tuesday night game. Yeah, them. just, you know, everyone dreams of playing on a Tuesday night against Pocahontas County. So. And they played on that Friday before then, too, so. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just insane to think about. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, pretty quick turnaround from them, but a nice well-deserved uh, well-deserved break for uh, for Moorefield and, you know, should be interesting, um, that matchup. And, you know, a, as it stands right now on the 1A West point standings, Northern is going to host a playoff game at the moment. They're number four in the point standings, so, um you know, just the kind of from here out, every game is kind of a must-win for Northern, am I? Because you know you can really have a true home field advantage going to accident, or having a team have to come to accident in October or, or, or in uh, in November to to play a playoff game. Anything about you know? They're, I mean, they have a pretty tough strength of schedule as well um, to start the year. So you know, there's it should get a little bit easier, and um, you know that they. Go what like six and three, seven and two. They might they have a good chance of getting the three seed. Yeah, oh for sure, for sure. So, uh, you know the the Northern Allegheny matchup here coming up. Um, it it should be a really good game, and you know we'll kind of see we'll kind of see where both teams are at uh, at that time. So but before then, yeah, the game tonight got ex- uh, expect um, you know uh, a close game with two two teams that have been winning as of late and. Um, Northern hasn't really faced a good passing team, or at least not as good as what Moorefield brings to the mm-hmm. table with Branson C. He was nine for nine last week. I think he had like a you know buck fifty something like that going through the air. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they adjust to that, having played you know uh, really f- uh, five straight rushing first teams. Yeah, and it'll be it'll be really interesting to see um, if Jamison Warnick can kind of keep up this pace that he's at. I mean, he's truly one of the more underrated talents in the area this year. Um, in five games, he's rushed for triple digits in four of them, and the one game he didn't was against Albert Gallatin. He ran for 97 yards. So, um, you know, it, it's kind of close enough for him. 100 carries, 755 yards, nine touchdowns, and that's after last week's game of, you know, kind of being the bell cow, 29 carries, 244 yards, and two touchdowns. So yeah, Leads the area in rushing and touchdowns. Yeah, so, you know, just having a really uh, – Really great year for them, and you know he's he's not the he's not the quarterback at Northern, but he he comes 
out of the uh, the Wildcat uh, at QB for them. So and I think he's the only one that has attempted a pass for him this year. So. Um, oh, that's they they had a, a trick play at one point. It was mm -hmm. like a backwards pass. I want to say against yeah, it was against Frankfurt. I can't remember who threw the pass, but um, Wally Brands, I believe, called oh, okay. called it inside the Great five name. yard line. Yeah, Wally. I think he's a freshman too. He's a kicker. Um, yeah, but <laughs> Wally Brands. <laughs> he yeah. So that that's the only other pass. So you know, Warnick is he's really having himself a nice year, um, averaging hundred just over 150 yards a game. So. You know, we'll see when it comes to the, the end of the year. It's it's too early to talk about awards and stuff like that, but it'll be interesting to see what kind of reception he gets from all the other area coaches when, you know, Northern has, what, six of their nine games, seven of their nine games are against area teams. So, yeah, Clear Spring and Albert Gallatin are the only two. So And you don't want to take anything away from, you know, other running backs, but he really, he might be the best, like, pure, you know, four-down running back in the area as far as, you know, he's a big he's a big kid, he's fast, makes people miss, he runs through tackles, you know, like, I don't know, there's a lot of guys around here that are, you know, speed backs or they do well in open space, but Warnick is a guy who, I mean, he really, he really had 29 carries last week. He, yeah. really, he really does take a beating sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and that's have, having to play two ways up there, you know. I wrote a column about it a couple weeks ago about, you know, Phil Carr's team's, being undermanned and whatnot, and, uh, you know, that's just kind of the way of life up at Northern, that if, if you want to play football for Phil Carr, you better be ready to play on both sides of the ball. So, and Jameson does Jameson does a great job on both sides. So, yeah, I expect that to be a game against Moorfield to, uh, you know, I, I expect it to be a close game. Yeah. I, think, I, I think Northern's definitely the favorite just as far as their strength schedule, who they've beaten recently, you know, not to take away from Moorfield, but, you know, they have had four – Blowouts, but they're against you know easier opponents. I would say than anything Northern's faced this year. Yeah, it's it's a really good clash of a team that is coming in hot, who is executed to near perfection against a team who is just you know like you said blown out the teams that they have played here mm -hmm. the past couple of weeks. So uh, Moorfield bounced back from that season opening loss uh, at Frankfurt really well and or, or to Frankfurt. And uh, you know we'll, we'll see. That should be that should be a really nice game. So we uh, we move on to the uh, quote unquote game of the week. Number one Mountain Ridge five and zero at Greenway Avenue Stadium tonight, taking on number two in the area top five in Fort Hill. Um, every week these teams have kind of seemed to have gotten closer and closer to each other in the rankings. Even they've been one and two the whole way. Mountain Ridge number one the whole way. Fort Hill number two the whole way this week. Uh, Mountain Ridge received four first place votes and Fort Hill received three. So, Sentinels closing the gap. Yeah. So, you know, and this, we have had the caveat that this game, it has been circled on our calendars from the very beginning, and we have gotten to this point with both teams unscathed. And on, one of these teams is going to have to go home with a loss tonight. So, um, we have both kind of analyzed this game in print just a about every way you can look at it. I mean, there's there's so many. Both coaches, when I spoke to them Thursday night, both kind of described this game as a chess match, and that kind of is the way that I see it playing out. I don't know what the final score ends up being, but I think at least through like three quarters, at least it's going to be a chess match. Yeah, I think 
Um, you know, you got to think about like the matchups as far as you know. Mountain Ridge is a great passing team, and Fort Hill obviously great secondary. Um, similar to kind of what uh, they facing its Old Mill, um, and Fort Hill did very well against that challenge. So um, yeah, it's it's kind of just strength for strength, and then I think an underrated matchup in a lot of these games is you know the line of scrimmage and I do think Mountain Ridge on paper at least matches up pretty well with Fort Hill in the trenches yeah and yeah they're, and they're used to defending you know the wing T run first offenses that um, you know teams downstate necessarily aren't used to facing yeah that's the thing you know it, it, it teams come into Greenway and have all this height behind them and then they come in and they get punched in the mouth I, I wrote in my column in Thursday's paper that you know, it's a tale as old as time. A team comes to Greenway, they're into the game for the first half, they go into halftime, and it's like, all right, we got some of these adjustments we can make, we can get right back in this game. And then the Fort Hill offense just power bombs you through a table in the second half. And it's just kind of, last week Fort Hill was up 28 nothing at halftime, and, but the game seemed closer than that, I think. Do you agree? Oh, uh, the, the Oakdale game? Yeah, the Oakdale yeah, game. I, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, the first half was just a bloodbath. I yeah, think it, it just it was closer just because of Fort Hill's like, uh, how do I say this? Poor. Let's just say they're they're bad on special teams. Yeah, their special you teams know, coverage was bad really, last week. Like, it's it seemed like like eighty percent of Oakdale's drives started at, in between the hashes. Yeah. So, you know that's, <laughs> yeah. They they that's started in, inexcusable. They had eleven drives. Nine of them were off kickoffs because two of them were off turnovers, mm-hmm. but. They had, uh, they had 11 drives, and here's the field position on them. Oakdale 40, Oakdale 43, Fort Hill 40, Fort Hill 2, Fort Hill 9, Oakdale 43, Oakdale 20, Fort Hill 8, Oakdale 35, Oakdale 25, Oakdale 45. So of their 11 drives, nine of them were on, they had 60 yards or less to get. And, you know, I, I kind of, I looked at Mountain Ridge's drives last week as well against Frankfurt. They had 14. Starting field positions were Frankfurt 49, Mountain Ridge 48, Frankfurt 42, Mountain Ridge 40, Mountain Ridge 21, Frankfurt 36, Frankfurt 44, Mountain Ridge 40, Frankfurt 41, Frankfurt 11, Frankfurt 14, Mountain Ridge 36, Mountain Ridge 40, and the Mountain Ridge 22 for their last drive. So they had two turnovers that started off, or two drives that started off turnovers. Special, or no, they had three. They had special three teams well. taking care of the ball, they matter. Yeah, so Oakdale averaged 51.8 yards to goal against Ford Hill. Mountain Ridge averaged fifty two point four. So, you know, you're you're cutting hairs at yeah. that point. And so Oakdale only had like they had less than like a buck fifty total yards, right? That's on one seventy five. Okay, one seventy. While Mountain Ridge had so, four sixty seven. Yeah. So it, it's all about execution. That I, I do think that if there is an advantage that I think it's pretty clear Mountain Ridge has right now, it's in special teams. Yeah. Um, they have the athletes that they can get in space, and this is something that. Uh, that Fort Hill head coach Zach Alcar has been worried about since preseason. Um, you know, that when they played in their scrimmages, I think they allowed two, uh, two kick return touchdowns. They had a block punt. And meanwhile, Mountain Ridge, I, I want to say, has had three block punts through five games. I think when I talked to Patterson the week before last, he said that they had been able to block a punt in, I think, two of their games. But I think he mm-hmm. said the one game they had two. So... Um, and then in the kicking game, Ashton Shimko can just boot it into the end zone yeah. seemingly at will. Yeah, so kind of a not, uh, well, kind of a double-edged sword there. And Well, in the, in the one department, before we get to the double-edged sword, Shimko missed two field goals last week that mm-hmm. when, they're, 
when they're kicked on turf are probably made just yeah. because I mean I've never kicked field goals but it's just it's different when you're kicking on grass as opposed to turf especially when you play for a school that has turf and you play on all these fields that have turf yeah I mean um, you think at this point in the year fields have divots in them yeah and, you know there's just more unknowns than uh, you're kicking on the turf yeah yeah so um, and then you mentioned it that you know Shimko pretty much every time is able to kick it into the end zone and the other team's gonna have to drive 80 yards um, but on the other end, our sports editor mentioned it earlier that uh, Jeff Landis mentioned that Fort Hill might want to go 80 yards every drive. I mean, they have yeah. kids who can hit the home run every play, but then the power bomb through a table reference was to Fort Hill's 13-play uh, 56-yard drive that went 554 in the third quarter that put that game away. I mean, they were up four scores after that, and there was just there was no chance that Oakdale was coming back. Because even if Oakdale responded and scored, Fort Hill gladly would have gone on another drive that went four or five or six minutes, and it just would have killed the game away, yeah. even if they didn't end up with points. Mountaineers just can't fall behind. Yeah. If they if they get in it, uh, I'd say anything more than a two-touchdown deficit entering the third quarter, like, they're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Dep yeah, depending or, I on... I mean, entering the half, even. Dep yeah, depending on, uh, like, if Mountain Ridge is getting the ball coming out yeah, of halftime, yeah. yeah, then I... I wouldn't necessarily agree, but yeah, it, I, my thinking has been if Mountain Ridge wins the toss, they have to get the ball, and they have to not punt on their first drive. Even if they only get a field goal, they have to get points on it, because you go to Greenway, and it's just the band is there, and it, it just becomes so much more. You're not just playing a, a, an extremely talented Ford Hill side, and this isn't we're not taking anything at all away from Mountain Ridge here because Mountain Ridge has a great team. They've been number one in our poll all season. So and they opened the year with an 84-point win. Yeah, <laughs> like we're we're pretty sure it's probably the most points scored by an area team, um, definitely uh, by ever. a Western Maryland team. So of all time. Yeah, so you know we're not taking anything away from Mountain Ridge here, but it has to be stated that you go to Greenway and it, it has this reputation of being a place where opposing teams just have such a hard time playing and it's just a combination of so many things you're playing a, a great team in Fort Hill and the band is going all game and um, you know one of the things about Fort Hill is that they have so many fans on both sides of the stadium just yeah. because like the way the stadium is set up that a lot of their fans are older so it's just it's easier for them to come in on the visitors side mm -hmm. and sit on the visitors side so um, You're basically walking downstairs instead of upstairs. Yeah, to get to get to your seat. Yeah, and uh, you know it, it just it you know the, the 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 opposing team is hearing all this chatter for you know for the home team from both sides as a, you know as opposed to just hearing it on the one side. Um, and I think as as you researched that you know a team a high school team from Frostburg has never beaten Fort Hill. Or Green yeah, Point. which is insane. I mean, there was a long gap where they didn't play, but. Um, I think it was between like '73 and 2005. I want to say. And this is say. dating back to when it was Bell. Yeah. 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 So you know, there are some things I kind of pointed out in this column that people don't really want to point out. That you know, well, in the spring, Fort Hill wasn't playing for anything. They weren't as motivated to win, and all this stuff. And it, it's just it, it's baloney, really. I mean, it just doesn't because it's just. If you're going to play that side of it, you have to acknowledge as well that Mountain Ridge didn't have anything to play for. And it's yeah. just, it's one of those things where that is just a, 
a thing where one team had never beaten another team. And do you really think the kids on the one team wanted to be the first team that lost to that other team? No, that just... And then have to hear it for a year to where we are now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and even today, I mean, this, this game today might not decide much of anything. Maybe our, our poll for the rest of the regular season and, you know, probably the playoff seedings, I would imagine whoever wins this, if, you know, if, if everyone wins out from here, if, uh, you know, Fort Hill and Mountain Ridge win out from here after tomorrow's game, Whoever wins tomorrow gets the one seed in the West and probably the top seed in the state in Class Probably 1A. gets the one seed in the West. Yeah. I don't know how that'll work out with, like, Fort Hill's schedule because they, they, they will get a lot of bonus points. Yeah, yeah. So there's a possibility Fort Hill could lose this game and still get the one seed. But, yeah, in all likelihood, probably the winner will get the yeah. one seed. And, and if they do meet again, you know, like, that, that <laughs> the rematch will obviously be a lot more important than, right. With, right. than tonight's game. But it was, because I know from the Mountain Ridge side of things, those kids, obviously, they acknowledged that win. They won the game. The game was played. Referees showed up. We had a reporter there. The game was played. As far as I see it, the game was played. And uh, Zach Alcara, I spoke with him earlier, and he didn't really, you know, hold back. He said, you know, the, these kids, they have prepped for this game as if they do any other game, but he acknowledged the fact that they kind of want some revenge for this one because it's one like you said that they've had to hear about for what six months now so since and it, March and I guess because of all this like the game didn't count and all that talk <coughs> now you have Mountain Ridge also playing with the chip on their shoulder as well right like wanting to prove hey that you know that the game did count yeah you wanting know, to double all, down we on were it. for real yeah and and again this this that game was played just as much as the game on Halloween last year was played where um, you know I know that Brevin Stubbs was limited in his game in the spring because of an injury. He ran for like 120-some yards, I think, in the fall meeting in Fort Hill 131-6. So, you know, you kind of have to acknowledge that both of those games were played. I know that not everyone playing tonight played in either one of those matchups, but it's just a thing you have to acknowledge that the games were played, and that's the fact of the matter. And it does, it does go into the game plan and how the kids are – ready for a night's game. Um, you kind of mentioned it earlier that this is a game that you are very excited to cover. And, I mean, I, I certainly agree with you. I've been looking forward to it all week. I mean, it's just one of those things last week where Jeff told us if Fort Hill and Mountain Ridge both win, both obviously can go and cover it. Mountain Ridge won Friday. Fort Hill left little doubt on Saturday that it was going to be a win in Fort Hill's favor. So Yeah, and we're you know, not biased and whatnot in our coverage, but – Fingers crossed that both teams will win last Friday. Yeah. Or Friday and Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's just one of those things that from the uh, professional side of things that it just sets up a unique occasion because there's not many games where we send two reporters to a game. Um, outside of last Saturday, which was just because the game was played on Saturday. And, and I just felt like going to it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I, so, just, I just wanted to know. Yeah. So. I just want to know how real Fort, Fort Hill was. and. They proved that they are a, a real team. Yeah, so, um, you know, so, and it, if they meet down the road again, we'll see. But, you know, for tonight, we'll, uh, we're both looking forward to this game. So And I guess it's also worth mentioning that, you know, the last time, 10 years ago, these two teams played, and they were both undefeated, it was a, a bit of a bloodbath. Although, you know, snow did play a part and, and all that, but, you know, it – 
it, it's just kind of a, a rivalry where when the hype is building for Mountain Ridge in the past, it has not necessarily worked out in their favor. Right, yeah. And, you know, you <clears throat> you wrote that column uh, yesterday as well, and, you know, it's just Mountain Ridge doesn't have a ton of history just because the school hasn't been open right. long. Um, but, you know, there have been two games that have been amped up, and it's that one and 2018, Seth Puali, co-player of the year that year, came in a week after he ran for like 370 yards, came to Greenway and ran for three yards on yeah. like 14 carries. And it's like no one in, no one on planet Earth predicted that. Um, and, you know, Fort Hill's just a team. They, they have their kids ready to play every week. Um, and this, this could be a game that for most of the kids on the field, it'll be the, the, the most people in attendance at a game they've played in in their careers, yeah. potentially. Yeah, and so, you know, at least I, we hope so. I know that last week we both kind of felt that we both kind of expected more from the atmosphere, the crowd that was at the Oakdale game. Yeah, I think the um, radio said that as well. Yeah, that you know, it it seemed a little subpar just because of everything else that should have made it be a a, a big crowd and a great atmosphere. Where it's it's a Saturday afternoon game. The weather was perfect. I mean, you and I were ready to sit outside and cover the game and, you know, had Especially, no... I mean, after COVID, you know, as well, people we not basically not having meaningful football or not even being able to go to games last year yeah. in a lot of cases. Yeah, so... Um, but, you know, I, I think... I really think tonight's crowd is going to be fantastic. Both, uh, both fan bases have, you know, kind of gone at each other's throats uh, pretty much all season, um, which has been from the outside has been a sight to watch. But, um, you know, I mean, both fan bases are, are going to be, you know, raring to go tomorrow. And, you know, both, both teams travel well when they go on the road. And, you know, it, that'll, that's going to that's gonna play into tomorrow. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of crowd shows up. I, when I was reading the Toby Eric series that he did for us a few years ago, and he wrote about the, uh, I think it was the snow game, and he said there was like 12,000 people at it or something like that. Something really? crazy. Or maybe it was the, might have been the 70, no, the 71 game was a snow game. Might have been a few years later, 76 maybe, that there was like 12, 13,000 or something like that. And I thought, man, how crazy would I that be? I know that there's, there's some like NFL films game that people talk about that had like nearly 15K. I don't know if that's overblown or not. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, I don't know that that'll ever happen again. But Never you know, say never. If there was a recipe for it, though, to happen in 2021, this game is certainly it. So I'm, I think you said it in your column that you know this is the this is the biggest ticket in town um, this yeah. week. So um, you know it's just th there's so many there are just so many storylines that are going to play out, and I'm curious to see if there's any kind of uh, any kind of posturing that goes on. You know these teams, there's a good possibility they could meet again, but you and I have talked this week that like the four best teams in 1A might be in this area and they they truly might be yeah in, in, like, the, in the new classes yeah yeah in the new classes in the, in the sixth classification system the four best teams in 1A might be Fort Hill Mountain Ridge Allegheny and Northern like that just I don't know so anything can happen in the playoffs I mean you just you really never know and yeah was um, it the east and I think the south regions have 
a combined four teams with a winning record right now. Yeah. Which so, is just incredible. Which has, they have, what, 15 or 16 teams? Yeah, in those, it's just so. insane to think about yeah. compared to here where you have four in Western Maryland with a winning record. Yeah, whereas, yeah, two regions and 25% of them have a winning record. So, um, you know, I think at this point, I think we've said it every episode that we're just, we're lucky that we have a lot of really good teams this year in this area. So, um, And a lot will be answered tonight. Yeah, a lot will be answered tonight. So, um, if if you're looking for more coverage on this game, Alex and I have we've both wrote about it plenty this it's week. It's not so. possible to cover it more. I think. No, I really don't <laughs> think there are because there were some things that I tried to save from my extremely long column and preview that I wanted to make sure we talked about on here. That just to kind of try to cover all the bases. So um, you know, if you're looking for more coverage, today's preview should give plenty. Spoke with both. Uh, Alkire and, and Mountain Ridge head coach Ryan Patterson. So uh, some stats in there as well and everything like that. And uh, if you want even more, uh, Alex and I's columns both ran in the Thursday edition of the Times News. So um, you should be able to find those online as well. So And you'll be able to read plenty about it on Saturday. Exactly. So Alex and I will both be there and we'll have uh, we'll both have a story from it. And uh, yeah, it should, it should be interesting. I, I feel uneasy trying to hype this up so much but it's also hard not to hype it up so much when you know there's so much at stake tonight and both teams have gone along this path where you know Fort Hill's game plans have been perfect so far and on the other end and not to say Mountain Ridge's game plans haven't been perfect but they have just killed everyone they've played yeah. pretty much I mean well against Alco I think they were only up 10 10 nothing at the half yeah, so they 17 nothing going into the third. So they were in a little bit of a battle, but you know it really never felt like Allegheny was um, even going to score. They've gotten the comfortable against every team they've played. Yeah, you know, and that the the Frankfurt game was one. Yeah, that you know early on it was a little shaky, and then they just kind of went on a run and put that game to bed pretty much by halftime. So yeah, so Mountain Ridge really hasn't been in a game where it's you know neck-and-neck neck physical in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and Ryan Patterson said it last week that his question for his team this year has been, how are you going to respond when you face adversity? And, and they, have, they haven't felt any, really. No. He, he said that he felt that he was going to hit some against Frankfurt, and, you know, they went up 14 nothing, then allowed a, an 87-yard run or 77-yard, something like that, uh, touchdown run. Peyton Clark. Yeah, but then, you know, Mountain Ridge was pretty quick to respond, and that was pretty much that. So, um, you know, this is this is kind of going to be where we really see where both of the what both of these teams are made of. Because, like you said, Mountain Ridge comes into this game with the benefit that other teams, Old Mill and Oakdale, uh, didn't really have, where they don't face the wing tee or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, not saying that the wing tee is a gimmick or anything. But I guess against downstate teams, it kind of is. Yeah. But against here, it's it's truly going to be who's the better team. There's not going to be any trickery or any, you know, uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? There's not there's not going to be any like, oh well, it's it's just because they're not used to so and so's offense. Yeah, yeah. I don't really think there's going to be any kind of excuse that can be made or yeah. anything like that. Um, you know, unless it unless it comes down to officiating, but I don't even think that's gonna be the case either. Yeah, um, the better team's gonna win. Yeah, I, I think for sure the better team is gonna win. So uh, we will most certainly see. So um, again, kick off this evening at Greenway, seven o'clock. Alex and I will both be there. If you can't make it, our stories will be in 
the newspaper on Saturday. So if you would like to find me on Twitter, you can do so at Kyle Bennett CTN. Alex, where can the listeners find you? At a ritual. And so that's all for episode three. We will be back, be back with episode four in two weeks. Go Terps. <laughs>